Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That means it's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7, home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. It's up to you to figure out the rest, what you should know by now. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours. You can find us on the .com. I'm talking the Twitter.com, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. What up, Motsy? Man, living the good life. You know that, baby. Sitting here on a beautiful week at 5-0, feeling mm. good, being a part of elite company. You know, only, mm. what, one of, I think it's three remaining undefeated teams. So, uh, yeah, yeah, can't complain at all, baby. How about you? Yeah, three will... Uh... We'll become two at least. We know after this week, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm I'm doing well here. A nice uh, sunshiny day. We're running out of these in Western Pennsylvania, but we're enjoying them while they're here for sure. Beautiful day here. Nice little commute in with some fall foliage and some nice weather to the studios today. And yeah, the undefeated Steelers five and zero against the five and zero Titans. I guess we could call it a five-star matchup in that regard, huh, Arthur Motes? Oh, I see what you did there, but you know what? You always got to remember the Titans as well. (laughs) (laughs) Everywhere we go, people want to (laughs) know. I'm here all week, guys. I'm here all week. We tell them. We tell them. We are here all week. We're rocking with you for the next two hours on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Get those tweets in. Uh, We'll have best of the West today, and it is a Wednesday, so that means it's officially the day that we start turning the page Looking ahead to the Steelers' next opponent, the Titans, as Arthur Motes said, two of the remaining three National Football League's undefeated teams, the Seattle Seahawks being the other one, all three of those franchises sitting at 5-0. and Two teams enter, only one team can exit undefeated. And Arthur Motes, last night I was uh, doing the podcast that I do with our buddy Adam Crowley. Mm-hmm. The Crow Man. And, you know, the Crow Man, he's gone from hosting a, a show every single day to uh, to doing national stuff now, right? Big like time, big time. Anchoring and, uh, and updates. So his kind of daily routine has changed. Instead of planning a show, he's more writing updates and reports. Correct. So I asked him last night after we finished our podcast, I'm like, dude, I got nine hours of radio to do tomorrow. You know, it's mm-hmm. that marathon Wednesday for me. I said, you got any, you know, like, you have any things that you're, like, burning to talk about? You know what I mean? That if, if the crowd man was still planning out a show tomorrow, you know, like, what would, would you have talk this about? conversation I said to him, I said, yeah. you got some content for me, basically. I, you know, you got some content for me. Mm-hmm. And he asked a very interesting question that I want to pose to you now, Arthur Motes. Ooh, now you got me intrigued. Adam Crowley said to me last night, he said, can run first teams really beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? And he said the Cleveland Browns were a run-first team, a team that runs to pass the ball, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Their identity is on running the football. The Titans, we know, are built that way, too. And while we respect Ryan Tannehill more than Baker Mayfield, they're still a team that runs to set up the pass as well, really heavy in play action like the Browns. Then you got the Ravens, who we obviously know are predicated on the run. You've got the Cowboys here. It's a four-game stretch uh, of teams who like to run the football. Dallas now, especially with Zeke in the absence of Dak Prescott. 
Arthur Motes, does that play to the Steelers' strength? Is it going to be hard for run-first teams to beat the Steelers, to move the ball consistently on the Steelers, when, man, uh, just from what we've seen so far against a team like the Browns, and yes, Nick Chubb was not out there, but Kareem Hunt's a guy who's led the NFL in rushing before. Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, uh, uh, just a handful uh, – uh, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, Miles Sanders from the Eagles. Mm-hmm. A handful of talented running backs that they've already done very well against second-best rush defense in terms of yards allowed per game. And if you take out that one big run for Miles Sanders, they'd be first and it wouldn't even be close. Motes, this may be the recipe for the success now without Devin Bush, uh, particularly in the short term, right? Take away these the run game from these teams that are predicated on it and, and turn them into a one-dimensional uh, offense. I mean, yes, that's definitely the recipe for success, but it's not going to be as easy as we like to make it sound. Um, or maybe as it was this past Sunday. Absolutely. And, I mean, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, we know with the Cleveland Browns, they got behind early, so they really didn't commit to the run like we saw them in the past. That was a big issue for them. I felt like they abandoned the run a little bit too early anyways, but when the game is going like that, you're going to run into those scenarios. These next two teams in particular, when we're talking about the Titans and the Ravens, they don't abandon the run. Even when they're down, they still commit to it, and I think that's going to be the real test in terms of that. Now, I do think that the Steelers match up extremely well with the Titans from a run game standpoint. Baltimore, I think, presents a lot more challenges because the style of runs in which they do, you you can't just fire off the ball and go strength for strength. The Titans, they're old school in terms of (laughs) 12 personnel, one running back, two Titans, what we're referring to, and they literally just try to line up in front of you and say, our Jimmy and Joes are better than yours. And – the reason why I don't think that bodes well is because when you look at their three interior linemen versus our three interior D linemen, that's going to be a huge advantage for the Steelers in that department. And I just, I mean, with Derrick Henry in, in particular, he's a running back that once he is going north and south, he is a problem. Yes. But when he has to stop his feet and start again, that's how you can get him. Or if you don't allow him to get started, that's how you get him. But with the Titans, man, their their biggest thing these past five games been they just have been dominant up front yes in terms of winning the line of scrimmage and I just don't see that happening this week and then also with them losing Taylor Juan and now granted the uh I forgot the backup's name but he came and he was decent but it was a drop off uh he gave up a sack strip sack right away after Mm -hmm. his first play in the Mm -hmm. game so you you do know that that's gonna be a challenge for them but in terms of teams attacking the Steelers this way, in terms of running the ball, Baltimore is the only one that I think is really going to challenge them in that department just because, like I said, of how unique their running scheme is yeah. and how it puts pressure. It puts so much pressure on everyone to be gap sound, to be very fundamental in assignment football. I mean, it's essentially, like I said, the wing teaches out of the gun in terms of <laughs> how you how you have to with combat really good it. athletes. Right, with great athletes, and that's what makes it so unique and so tough to stop. Tennessee, they're just going to try to, like I said, line up in front and say, hey, man, I can punch you harder than you can punch mm-hmm. me. Let's go. Yeah, and they're going to be doing that without the very talented left tackle, Taylor mm-hmm. Lewan, as you pointed out. It's, it's interesting in that regard. It, it really is, and you make some great points there. The Steelers' defensive line, that's the kicker. And one of the guys, and I don't want to shoehorn in the conversation here. We can do this on the other side of the break. But, man, I think one of the guys that when you start to talk about this defense going forward, right, and particularly in the absence of Devin Bush, that's something that's going to continue to be a conversation point here going forward. Stephon Tuitt can 
continue to, I think, quell some of those concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Because last year this defense was phenomenal. They only had to it for the first five games. You could argue through those first five games he was their best performer on a defense that had a ton of standouts last year. And Motsi, I think he's been quietly, let's say, rounding back into form. You know, Absolutely. because a lot of what we talked about with Ben, right? Like, same thing with Tuit. He hadn't played football in a long time. That happened in an offseason that was condensed without as much work as you normally get. No even opportunity to play a few series on in the preseason as he normally would. A few quarters of football in the preseason. Man, I think these last these last two games uh, against the Eagles and then against the Browns, you've really seen to it start to get back to where he was, and that in turn has taken attention off of Cam Hayward, which is why Cam Hayward can uh, part of the reason why he's free to just absolutely plant Baker Mayfield near midfield, like we saw in the third quarter on Sunday. I think Motsi, in the discussion of Devin Bush and in the discussion of continuing to be dominant against the run for this defense. Man, if Tuit keeps doing what he's been doing, maybe Eva just gets a little bit better here uh, in the next week or two as he continues, like I said, to round back into form. Man, this this defense, I, I think, has a really good chance of, of not skipping a beat in a lot of those regards. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and like you said, we expected Tuit to have to knock some of that rust off via, like you said, him coming back from the injury sure. and also just being away from the been. game yeah. as well. And being a guy that has experienced the injury that he had in terms of the torn pec, I mean, you do feel it. It does take some time for you to get the strength back from a playing standpoint, not just a weight room standpoint, but then also mentally having the confidence that it's not going to tear again. Even though they tell you statistically, once it tears once, the likelihood of it tearing again increases. Mm-hmm. All of those things play into it. But like you said, with Tua, man, he's rounded into form, and we're seeing him continue to flash a lot more as the thing progresses. He is going to be key this week, man. That, that's why, for me, I'm not even – I understand, like, there's a lot of questions surrounding Robert Spillane and how you're going to address him and company in terms of replacing Devin Bush. Sure. From a run game standpoint, though, I'm not even looking to Robert. I'm not even looking to Vince. I'm looking to my three interior guys, Tyson, Cam, and Tuitt. Those three guys have to be the ones to dominate. If they dominate, everything else takes care of itself. But if they allow the Titans to win that portion of it – and make these linebackers in terms of Vincent Spillane have to one-on-one tackle Derrick Henry, that, that's that's not going to be a good recipe right there. Right. So that, that's why I'm really focusing on those guys this week, man. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit about that more on the other side. We're also going to discuss and hear from the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. He spoke to the media this morning and uh, talking a lot of what we've kind of laid out the last few weeks, that this is the way for the offense, the balanced attack, get everybody involved, limit the turnovers, all that stuff has led in part to the Steelers' 5-0 and start. We shall discuss as we roll along here. we got a couple tweets so far. Keep those rolling in. At Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler and Motes on a Wednesday inside the Electric Factory having some fun as we start to turn the page towards those Tennessee Titans. And Motesy, they're a weird team. And I don't mean like personality-wise or anything like that. <laughs> I just mean like 5-0 and on the surface is 5-0. and uh, You look at Derrick Henry, look at the success that they've had on offense uh, with Ryan Tannehill and some of their weapons as well too. 
And then you remember last year how, how they just had a defense that flew under the radar, was very good the whole year, was great mm-hmm. in that run for them, and didn't kind of get the credit that they deserved until after the fact. But they have just been hemorrhaging points this year. Like, they are 5-0. and But they don't have much of a point differential, if that makes sense. Like, they've been winning all their games by less than five points, by one score. You know, it was six points in overtime against the Texans this past week. I think every single one of their games has been a one-score game. They've won a one-point game. A lot of... A lot to be desired there, honestly. I think if you're talking about the 5-0 and teams, the three that remain in the Steelers, the Seahawks, and the Titans, and definitely if you take the injury aspect of it now with Devin Bush for the Steelers out of it, and for them as well too with Taylor Lewan, their defense I feel like is the biggest kind of question mark of the 5-0 and teams, maybe even more so than Seattle. It's been a weird start to the year for, for that team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and the thing that makes it unique is – you would assume because they're coached by Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. and, and understanding the lineage of where he's come from they under, under Belichick, Clowney this offseason. Right, you would assume them being a very disciplined but at the same time productive unit. And they just really haven't shown that. You talked about Jadavian Clowney. He really hasn't flashed or done anything of substance since signing there. Yeah. Um, he's out there. He's playing, but he's really not having an impact on the game. And then the secondary, who we highlighted earlier in the offseason, we talked about how they have some good, talented players on the back end Guys like Kevin Byard, um, guys like uh, I'm John a blank on uh, uh, Adoree Jackson yep. and, and things like that, but those guys are still having communication issues, similar to what we saw a little bit here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. These first couple of games, uh, a lot of their touchdowns and, and big plays that they've given up have been due to miscommunications, mm-hmm. breakdowns um, on the back end. Absolutely, yeah. and that was very prevalent and evident in this past game against the Texans. Two of their scores, in fact, came on blown coverages. It's a weird group because yeah. you'll see them flash right. Like they don't they, they they don't have this dominant pass rush, but then you'll see Harold Landry come out here and make a play. You'll see uh, Simmons make a play, and then it kind of disappears again. And it's just it's weird, man. They are very inconsistent right now. So they only gave up fourteen to the Broncos in their opener, but since then, uh, thirty points to the Jaguars, thirty points to the Vikings, sixteen to the Bills in that weird kind of Tuesday matchup, thirty six to the Titans. Uh, they won by two points week one. Three points week two, one point week three. Okay, the comfortable win against the Bills, and then an overtime against the Texans. So four of their five wins uh, kind of by the skin of their teeth, if you will. And, hey, that's what you have to do in the National Football League is win close games. But two games where they kind of clamped down on defense and then three games where they gave up a ton of points. It, it's going to be an interesting, it's an the interesting biggest thing time to, have, to be facing these guys. Absolutely, and realistically, even with the Bills game, that was more so a product of the turnovers that the it's Bills true. had than necessarily them just stoning them because the Bills were able to move the they ball on the them. Ball. They moved the yeah, ball on them. They just, they just turned finish. the ball over. Yeah. Right. So we still, like I said, haven't seen a game where at least kind of like when we talked about with the Steelers where we would see flashes of brilliance, flashes of dominance, and then you saw the whole complete game they were able to put together against the Browns. We just have not seen that with this Titans team at any point in the season on defense for them. Yeah, no, we have not. And like I said, that was the – you know, last year when they were making that run to the AFC Championship game and and knocking off the Patriots and knocking off the Ravens in the process, right? I mean, it, it was Derrick Henry in the offense that was was getting all the praise. Absolutely. Man, that defense was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Steelers, rightfully so, got a lot of credit for their defense last year. The Niners, rightfully so, got a lot of credit for their defense last year. Man, the Titans were one of those type of units, too. One of the truly... Um, just fantastic, just elite defenses in the National Football League last year. It has not necessarily been the case for them this year in that regard. But on kind of the 
opposite side of that conversation, Motsi. I think the offense has been more productive than people would expect, particularly right mm-hmm. with we still haven't really seen much of A.J. Brown. He started to come on last week. Absolutely. And it looks like he's back healthy and starting to, you know, maybe kind of like we talked about with Tuit, rounding back into form again here a few weeks into right. the season. But I tell you what, this is an offense that all of a sudden can beat you in a few ways. Uh, we talked about the play action a lot with the Browns and how that was important for them. The Titans were one of those two teams that are having more success even than the Browns off of play action. There's, I think, a lot of similarities that you can draw from the Titans on offense to the Browns on offense, just maybe with more continuity and and with a better quarterback. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Way, way better in terms of the accuracy element. We talked about Baker, how he struggles a little bit with his accuracy. We even saw how sometimes he, he's predetermining where he wants to go with the ball. That yeah. was what happened on the Minka Fitzpatrick interception. But with Tannehill, man, Tannehill is very accurate on his deep passes. I mean, he was a first-round pick for uh, a first-round draft pick for a reason, man. He yeah. has the intangibles of being able to throw it. The situation in Miami under Gase wasn't the best, but he still was a 4,000-yard passer for multiple seasons down there. People forget that part of it. And we're seeing, man, that he's been able to connect downfield. And that's been one of the biggest reasons why they've been able to be successful this year. The running game obviously is is the main piece. But Tannehill's consistency on the deeper throws, Tannehill's consistency on play action pass is what's really allowing this offense to be as productive as it can. And it's kind of scary when you think of it like that, man. Because you you think, man, Derek, can we need to pack this box? But with Tannehill starting to connect more consistently oh, downfield, yeah. it is really putting a strain on some of these defenses and some of the DBs in particular. Titans offense, little snapshot for you. Total yards, they rank second in the league. 422 yards per game on average. Passing yards, 11th. Rush yards, 5th. Points, second in the NFL, averaging just about 33 points per game. And it's another good-on-good matchup in this regard, right? Steelers, total yards allowed, second. Passing yards allowed, eighth best. Rush yards allowed, second best. Points allowed, third best. It's a clash of styles. Absolutely. Uh, I, once again, in that regard, I, I I think so, without a doubt. And I I do wonder if that helps the Steelers then. You know that it is, for the second straight week, a similar— and again, as we've kind of laid out, there are the differences there, certainly— but a, a similar type of offense that you're preparing for. I'm sure you've had experience with that. Is that a real tangible thing if you're kind of already in that mindset of a team that, all right, they want to ground and pound and then they want to catch us sleeping and, and beat us with play action, beat us through the air? Is, is preparing for a team like that two weeks in a row, is there any real tangible advantage there? Yeah, without a doubt it is. And more importantly, it's a, a huge advantage when you're talking about having a week where you're going to have different personnel out there. You lose Devin Bush, your your signal caller, your uh, all-world inside linebacker, and now you're going to look to replace that, whether you're going Robert Spillane. And, and obviously he's going Robert Spillane predominantly, but he's going to mix in some of these other sure, guys, sure. potentially Marcus Allen, potentially Ulysses Gilbert. So if you're talking about having to make adjustments to personnel – I mean, I would much rather only have to worry about the personnel and not personnel and new calls, new scheme for this week. So for those guys, it's going to be – I mean, honestly, you can just take off the Browns logo and put the Titans logo on this week's (laughs) game plan and go ahead and give it to the guys, the exact same thing. So in that regard – that does benefit them a lot, man. Spillane, um, he doesn't have to worry about, all right, what are our new checks going to be? What is this going to be, man? Am I? Uh, is this too challenging for him from a mental standpoint? He's not going to have to deal with that element. Now he can just focus on 
playing, which is the most important part right now for him. So, yeah, there, there is a huge, huge benefit to them in that department. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's the Stellar's Blitz on SNR. Get those tweets in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We've had a couple of those uh, rolling here already. You know that we will get to them in the second hour of the program. We're going to hear from the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, coming up here. You talking about Sam, the gunslinger? Oh, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. You know he's playing hug it, chug it football. Oh, love that boy Shep now. He from downtown. He around that. We're going to hear from Ben uh, as we do on Wednesdays. He spoke to the media for a few minutes this morning, had some interesting things to say. One of the things that he talked about, Motsi, um, maybe along the lines of Mike Tomlin's We Do Not Care. We Do Not Care. Him not caring about necessarily the gaudy numbers that he put up a lot of times in in the past that haven't maybe been there for the most part this season, right? I mean, he threw for... What was it? I think 160 some yards this past Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, for a Ben Roethlisberger game for the days where we were used to watching him throw for 250, 300, 350 yards a game, that's obviously been toned down a bit. But Ben discussing how, again, like we've discussed a lot, this is the way for the offense a balanced attack, 100 yard performance once again. Uh, for James Conner, he gets 21 carries. You mix in Benny Snell a little bit there as well, too. Uh, you get a big performance from James Washington. You get a big performance from Chase Claypool. Ben talking about how this is the formula for the offense. We will hear from him in just a few minutes. Uh, David tweets here. I'm going to get to, you know, like I said, we'll sprinkle in some tweets throughout the show before we uh, before we get to the end of the uh, or the last segment of the show, I should say, when we always kind of answer your questions, comments, concerns, get to your reactions, if you will. David tweets here, loved watching the dynamic between Bud and TJ uh, on the Bud Brought a Buddy show. Yeah, that has been hilarious <laughs> to watch if you haven't yes, checked it out. indeed. Uh, he says, other than Wes, who was Motsi's partner in crime on the field? Well, I mean, I'm the partner in crime on the field, a partner in crime off the field. Who was Motsi's partner in crime on the field? Who are you closest with in terms of who you played with? Hmm. That's a good question there from David. It is. And I'm sure there's some tough ones because you probably got a few people that came to mind. The closest that I played with, um, honestly, I'll probably say it's danger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing with that, too, is more so that that big brother, little brother relationship, man. Uh, My senior year was his freshman year. Obviously, we played against each other that one year Mm -hmm. in uh, college, and then from there, my what fourth year in Buffalo, his rookie year, mm-hmm. taking him under my wing again, and then we both come over to Pittsburgh right, right. in fourteen. I mean, literally, like seeing what yeah, I yeah. say, <laughs> and that doesn't even count like just his growth from twenty-one year old kid to sure. meeting his wife, getting married, having children now, like, and just you know, all our families just kind of growing together sure, from there. Sure. So yeah, definitely, I would definitely say him, man. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah, that that might have been. Dog. That might have been my guess. I, I like old jo- dog, I like Jordan dog, Dangerfield. Man. We gotta we gotta catch up with him at some point oh, yeah. this season. And or, he's been balling on special teams too, he man. He has. He has, without Absolutely. a doubt. Or maybe we just wait till the Super Bowl parade, right? And then we'll have him we'll have him and Ben Facts. both both on our float. We'll we'll have him one doing the bye week too. Oh, there we go. Super Bowl, I mean p- playoff, playoff bye the, week and then Super Bowl bye week. And then Super Bowl bye week. The, the, I got the you. Double bye week. There. Now we're rolling. Come on now. Uh keep those tweets coming in. You know that we will get to them in the second hour of the show. But on the other side here, we're gonna hear from the gunslinger, the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, spoke to the media for a few minutes this morning. Uh talks about going forward without Devin Bush for the entire team, the balanced offense, all of these things that we've touched upon, and uh and some concerning developments with the offensive line as well, too. We'll hear from the future Hall of Famer 
on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You are in the electric factory listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hot stepping on a Wednesday afternoon. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. One of the things that we do on Wednesdays here on the program, you know, once we get in season... We usually don't play a ton of audio here on the show, right? I mean, because Moats and I, I mean, we you are guys the audio know. you need. We, 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 got, we got the gift of gab on the program <laughs> here. I mean, you know, we like to talk. We like to hear ourselves talk. We got a lot to say most of the time. Um, but one of the guys that we do like to hear from when he talks to the media, obviously, is the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, particularly this year, right? Because last year we kind of missed this. I mean, we heard from Ben the first two weeks of the season. And then our franchise quarterback was just taken away from us. Come so, on, man. Don't take me back down memory so, lane. So abruptly. But it makes that. The, you know, the, the pain of the last few years, uh, particularly of last year, makes the, the 5-0 and start Ooh. all that much sweeter this year. This time around, it makes Facts. hearing from number seven on another uh, victory Wednesday all that much sweeter. So here's what the quarterback had to say this morning, just a couple hours ago, meeting with the media ahead of Steelers-Titans on Sunday. Jerry Dulac, go ahead. Uh, ben, good morning. I want to try your memory here early in the morning. Oh, does, does this, yeah, I know. Does this have any kind of feel like 04 when you had the Patriots and Eagles back-to-back when they were unbeaten? And also, what do you remember about the 08 and 2010 games, maybe about the Titans, if anything? <laughs> yeah, you're really getting me, Jerry. Um, good morning. But, uh, you know, it's I remember – you know, to be honest, I don't remember the Eagles game in, in 2004, um, but I definitely remember the Patriots game. Um, I remember Plexico catching a big touchdown towards the open end. Um, you know, I, I I don't remember what part of the season it was, but it felt like it was relatively early to middle. Um, so it's hard for me to, to reflect back too far on those two back-to-back games. Um, but, I, you know, I, I remember playing these, you know, playing in Tennessee. In Tennessee is always so tough. I've never really played well there. Um you know, it's it would be different, obviously, to go back on the road. It's been week one. Uh, I'm not sure how many fans they're allowing in. I know there's some there, but um, that was always a big part of playing there. Was it always felt like it was cold, and always felt like the fans were, were really rowdy. So it'll be um, it'll be different this time. But they're always a good team at home for sure. Mike Pursuta. Ben, when when the defense loses a player the caliber of Devin Bush, does that affect the offense in any way? Do you commit to trying to score more points, trying to control the ball more and keep the defense off the field. Does that affect you guys as a unit at all? Well, it affects us because we hate to see a brother go down, um, you know, kind of the quarterback, if you will, of that of the defense, the guy that calls the signals that's, you know, playing really good football right now. So it kind of affects us all in that sense. Um, but I know where you're coming from in your question. I think um, it, it if we have to now take the approach as, as an offense, if we have to go score more points, then we didn't have the right mindset going in. You know, we always want to go score as many points as we can. We want to control the ball. Um, so offensively, we're going to take the approach that nothing's going to change on that side of the ball. We believe in the guys that are going to fill in um, for, for Devin and, and put our faith and trust in them. And then we'll just go 
do what we can to continue to try and take care of our business on offense. Um, and I think that's the most important key is not get caught up in the loss of a guy over there as much as it hurts our hearts. We just have to continue to try and do what we can on offense. Mark Bully. Hey, Ben, uh, you were working with the garbage can last week during practice, and then you go three of three on deep balls that look awfully similar to what you threw at the can. Was that a coincidence, or did that help? I only hit one can, I think, so at least I, I completed more on, on Sunday. But, you know, just little things. Um, you know, we, I've kind of talked about each week something I've wanted to work on, and so what better time than in practice to, to, to drill some things, footwork, deep ball things, and so – uh, I'll just continue to try and get better. I, I don't I don't ever want to get worse, obviously. So I want to try and find little th- little ways and little things I can do to keep improving my game. Brooke Breyer. Hey, Ben. I know you've already accomplished so much in your career already before this season, but did you feel like you had anything to prove coming in this year after elbow surgery, being 38 years old? And, and what, if anything, have you proven to yourself in the last five games? Uh, I just wanted to to be out there with my teammates. I didn't want to let them down. I wanted them to know that um, that I can still give them everything that I have, and uh, I'm not trying to prove anything to the outside world. I just wanted to, to to keep playing the game that I love with the with the teammates that I love for for the fans that I love. So that's what's been most important in my mind. Dale Lolly, Ben. I know earlier in your career um, when people would call you a game manager, um, you didn't necessarily like that but do you feel like you're managing the game better now than you ever have in your career? Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I feel like that's kind of what I've been doing the last uh, five weeks. I'm trying to get us in the best play I can um, and, you know, try not to turn the ball over and, and just do things to help the team win the game. Um, so I just, I want to, we keep winning football games. I'll, I'll keep trying to do that. Joe Rudder. Yeah, Ben, there's a stat out there that says that uh, you're getting the your passes off quicker than any other quarterback. Are you making a concerted effort to do that, and how is that helping the offense? Um, no, not really making any – not trying to do anything. Sometimes it, it may have to do with the play call. Sometimes it might be an RPO, you know, so you really don't have time to, to hold on to the ball um, because, obviously, the, the, the line is blocking a run, and, and you have to kind of get the ball out quick. Um, sometimes we, we do – what, what Coach Randy says is get the ball in, in the hands of our playmakers quick, throw short, run long. Um, plus, I think I got tired of hearing Mike Pursuta talk about me holding the ball so long. Jeff Athorn. Morning, Ben. What, what, Morning. Is, what is the impact that healthy James Conner has on this offense? Well, I think you've seen uh, what he's been able to do. Um, I'm going to throw numbers out because it, to me it doesn't matter if he runs for 100 yards or whatever, he, whatever he's doing. He's running efficiently. He's scoring touchdowns when we get down close to the goal line. He's giving us first downs when we when we need those. Um, I think his game right now is is at an all time high. He's picking up blitzes. He's catching the ball in the backfield when we need him to, um, and he's getting the, the the tough yards when we need that as well. And I think the thing I always keep telling him is just have fun. When he has fun, he plays great football. Aditi, then you um. We're sort of joking the other day when you were talking about uh, running a Bill Cower style offense. When your offense is able to do so many different things, run when you want to run, throw when you want to throw, do the jet sweeps and end arounds, what is the feeling for you when the offense feels this diverse? What does that give you? 
Um, it gives us balance. You know, that's what we want to be. I know that's what <laughs> if you if you read into any of the fan stuff and media stuff in the offseason, we need to be more balanced. We need to run the ball. Well, that's what we're doing. We're a balanced offense. Uh, we're not putting up gaudy passing numbers right now because we haven't needed to. Um, I'd like to think that if, if needed to, we could do that because we've got some amazing pass catchers that can do great things with the ball in their hands. Um, but what we've been able to do right now is win football games, and that's what's most important. Will Graves? Then kind of along the, the line of Jeff's question about James, um, it seems like he's a little quicker. His footwork seems to be a little quicker, especially when running out of the shotgun. Is that just something that he's you've seen him grow more comfortable with? And even physically, does he look a little different than maybe he has in the last couple of years? Well, I think he took a lot of pride this offseason in getting himself uh, in the best shape he could possibly get himself in. Um, looks really good. Um, spent a lot of time at the Ben Roethlisberger footwork camp. Um, you know, just really improving on his footwork. But I, I just think he's playing with confidence and he's having fun playing the game. And um, it's not like all of a sudden he's this new running back. He's he's James Conner. He's the running back that we all in this locker room and in this building believed in and knew that he could do this um, and never doubted him. And so we're just excited uh, for, for the way that he's playing the game right now. Brian Becko. Hey, Ben, I'll follow Jerry with another blast from the past question from the PG. I think uh, unless I'm missing someone here, Mike Vrabel is the first head coach you also faced as a player. Uh, what do you remember about him back then? And do you see any uh, obvious influence from him on this team or this defense? Yeah, he was a great football player, um, smart, athletic. Um, I think he even I think he tipped a screen pass of mine once and intercepted it. So uh, this is a good football player. And he's transitioned to obviously a great coach. Chris Adamski. Man, I, I, we're not going to ask you every week, but it's a third of the way through the season now. So um, how's your elbow feel, your arm feel? Are there any after effects? That any sort of uh, – or do you feel 100%? No, it feels great. Um, you know, it's uh, no setbacks, no issues. Every once in a while I'll bump it on the ground or get hit and I'll, I'll feel at it. But it's those are more just bumps, nothing on the surgical site. So um, everything's going great. Thank you. Brooke Breyer. Ben, last week you praised Juju for his selflessness and being happy for Chase Claypool's uh, touchdowns. And I noticed it seems like he's having a lot of fun with touchdown celebrations on the sideline. How much and what does he do for you guys, even when he's not the one catching the passes and scoring the touchdowns? Well, he's the leader of that room. Um, he's he's the fun leader in the group. Uh, he brings a lot of energy and excitement to the, to the team and to the football game. And so... Um, that's what we're excited about. You know, when I said last week that he was excited for other guys, uh, what you see on Sunday is, is what you get with Juju. He is that guy. And that's, that's truly who he is. He's not putting on a show. He just, he loves playing the game and he loves the teammates. And I think that's, that's a great combination. Final one, Mark Caboli. Hey Ben, other than Claypool being six, five, how is he able to be so successful down the field with some of those catches you throw into him? Well, he's, you know, he's, he's big. He, he's, He's thick, you know, he's strong. He, he's, he's not like a, a six, 580 pound guy, you know, he's got, he's got good thickness to him. He can run. Um, and, and sometimes you get big receivers that don't high point a ball, reach up and grab it. Um, he does that. He knows how to, to use his hands. I assume that's some of the old basketball skills that he has. Um, and, and, and I think he's gaining a knowledge and understanding of, of route running and, and how to get open at the top of routes. I know we kind of had that crazy offensive pass interference call a couple of weeks ago, but it's those kind of moments that he knows um, when to use his hands and when not to and how to get open. And so I just think he's going to continue to grow, continue to get better. 
And I think we're all excited to see that. Ben Roethlisberger touching on a lot of different, a plethora of different questions Ooh, there, Arthur. That's the truth. Uh, talking about Devin Bush, uh, controlling what they can control on offense, giving some credit to James Conner, to Juju, to Chase Claypool. Great stuff there from Ben always on a Wednesday. And I liked what he had to say about the 5-0 and record in the face of, you know, maybe not the greatest stats for him personally. You know, he's at the point now in his career where he wants to win. That's all that matters. And I, I think you're seeing that with the offense modes that there's going to be weeks. Like we're going to have a game here where Ben throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's going to happen this season, but there's also going to be games where he doesn't need to do that. 170 yards and a touchdown or two uh, along with James Conner and the run game will be just fine. I-, I like that balance. And it's, it's unpredictable too, if you're trying to prepare for them uh, as an opposing defense week to week. Yeah. Without a doubt, man, that balance is key. Um, And I think, like you said, it's different than what you're seeing in Cleveland or what you're even seeing in Tennessee. Ben has the ability to air it out, to just to, sling it, yeah. to sling it, but that's not needed right now. But it's good to know that you have that luxury, whereas teams like the Browns, teams like the Titans, they don't necessarily have that luxury to that level where they can just say, you know what, we can win a game where I got to throw the ball 40 times. Right. They don't possess that capability, whereas the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger in particular does. So, yeah, in that scenario, man, this is a great situation for them to be in right now. And I love how even with James being the guy right now, it's still not as if he's the only running back being used. Right. I love how they're still using multiple guys, continuing to ride the hot hand, but take some of those unnecessary blows off of him and stuff like that. So I think this is a good recipe right now. I do as well, too. It's going to be fun uh, to see how that plays out, particularly these next two weeks. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. One hour in the books, another hour to go. So you know what that means. We will get to your tweets on the other side at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. It is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Sensational. Well, that's good. Me too. 5-0 and oh, and rocking and rolling. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's the Steelers Blitz on a Wednesday afternoon. You want to get involved with the show? You got 60 minutes more to do so get at us on twitter at wesley Euler at the body 52 the body are the most wardrobe check time Uh oh the tennessee titans Uh have just announced that they will be decked out in their light blue jerseys saturday saturday sunday against the steelers Uh, i think a lot of the college football mind i I do like the powder blue i like i mean the the lighter blue with their navy blue britches so powder blue on navy blue I do like that. I do like I do. that, Matt. I do I like that combination. Why. I like for the that Titans. combo, and I like when they have the uh, when they used to uh, wear white. I, I would like that too, man. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It, somebody points out on Twitter that this uh, was the same uniform matchup that the Titans wore uh, in the infamous stomping on the terrible towel game uh, last decade. Oh man, the banter is already picking up on Twitter. You know what? I don't know if we've ever had this discussion. How do you feel about the Steelers' old white on white look? I love white on white. Me too. Like when I see those highlights, man, yeah, of, of Joe white, Green man. just decleating somebody and yeah. he's wearing white on white, that's clean. I like that. I wouldn't hate bringing that look back. I'm with it, man. But I feel like from a traditional standpoint, well, yeah, that's. But then I guess uh, if you want to argue, I mean, they were doing it in the 70s, so. 
I'm with you. Josh, Is it their tradition? I mean, they also did have a time where the bumblebees were their primaries. Well, now see, I maintain. If, I love the bumblebees. Though. I like them. I wouldn't say I love them. I like I them. I loved them. I wish. I wish you guys would have worn like white or black pants with them. That would have been the difference. The, no, those, those the, the reason why pants, I don't want white or black pants with I know, them is it's because the real look. it's generic, and everyone wears white or black pants. Like when you put on that whatever color that was tan, however you want to describe it. I just thought that man that. Really signify like a traditional throwback uni, not yeah. some oh it's still fashion forward, oh it's still progressive, oh look it's it's cool with today's times. We know back then they didn't dress like how we dress now, right? So that's why I think it was appropriate, man. Hmm. Hence the word throwback. Well, how do you know? I mean, maybe Joe Green was in the locker room and was like, oh man, look at us in these all whites. I mean, we look we look fresh, fellas. You know what? I don't deal in hypotheticals. <laughs> that, that's what I do know. What's your favorite any uh, football, any sport? What's your favorite uniform from the days of yore? One that you would bring back. One that's not, you know, not currently. Hold on, hold on. Do on my time frame, you said? No, just, just, oh, in, ge- in, just general. in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Um, gosh. I mean, of course I have some, but I don't. I'm, all right. For example, the Keyshawn. Don't be shy. Now. All right, so Keyshawn Johnson's New York Jets. Remember that? Ooh. Yeah, like I, I, I was a fan of it. I'm not gonna lie. I liked Ooh, it a like lot. Like a little bit lighter green absolutely, than it is now. Yeah. Like Keyshawn Johnson yeah, and Wayne Corbett over absolutely. the middle of the field. That, that time frame, like Ooh, I love those, those nice. unis. Those were nice. Also, the cream sickles down in Tampa. Those, I was, I was a fan of that as well. Those were I nice. love. I remember, man, going to the library. They would have football books, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. it was based on which <laughs> team and. Being that we were in Virginia, we kind of would get a mix of everything. It sure, was no sure. like, oh, it has to just be this team. So we had a Tampa book with the cream circles, and I remember looking at it like, dude, this is tight. <laughs> and just like falling in love with like, the unis. This is sweet. Absolutely. Then also, man, um, well, actually, I got to wear these uniforms my rookie year in Buffalo, but the old school Bills uniforms, mm-hmm. the ones that like Thurman Thomas and uh, Jim Kelly with the red helmets, with like the red we helmets. were the last group yep. to wear those yep. before they switched. I love that look as well. Just I mean, it's, it's more so those like traditional when you grew Bold up watching colors. football. Like yeah. that's what it looked like. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There's some really good ones in football. I love how baseball teams have brought back like the powder blue look. Yes, that's yes. really come back the last two years. I do love the powder blue throwback look in baseball. Um, how about too like like some of the some and, of the and, '90s hockey sweaters were phenomenal. The, Basketball uh, jerseys in the old, '90s too. Old school Rams. Like they, uh, like what you know, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. With like the, when when Jerome Bettis yes, was still playing yes, with the Rams, yes, like that look, not yeah. Kurt, not Kurt Warner before them, yeah, before that the, that era. The 70s uh, Dolphin too for the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> yeah, like the the helmet Dolphin, absolutely, yeah, and oh, you know who's got great throwback uniforms, particularly the helmets, the Broncos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. like the yeah, orange, the with, like the crazy. lighter blue, like when absolutely. Elway f- was first there. Yes, yes. Oh. I like those. All right, tell us on Twitter your favorite your favorite uniforms. I of remember yesteryear. when the Broncos switched to the to the unis with the stripes on the hips, mm-hmm. and, and we thought that was so crazy because they were like the first to yeah do to the do that. On the Absolutely, hips. it was nuts. Uh, man. I still got my Terrell Davis jersey in my closet. I was saluting right. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Basketball, there's some good ones too. Like I love the Rockets old oh, look, yeah. like when they had the real the real rocket mm-hmm. ship, the retro blue rocket ship. Uh, man, Nuggets old school look, Utah Jazz. Old, there's some great Penguins jerseys from the 90s. Mm-hmm. What about the Coyotes when the Coyotes used to have like the, you yeah, know what I'm talking about, absolutely. like the 90s Coyote? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the Mighty that, Ducks logo when the Ducks the, still the, used the to be Ducks, owned by Disney. Man, the Ducks, 
might have one of the hardest like old school oh. throwback unis, man. Without a doubt. From from an appearance standpoint, a nostalgia standpoint, like it just collect it, it, it hits on so many levels with them, man. No, without a doubt. So Titans wearing the uh, the baby blue tops, powder blue tops with the uh, with the navy blue trousers, navy blue pants, if you will. So I gotta guess that means Steelers will probably go white on gold, uh, just just traditional road road look, I would think. Or are they gonna have to yeah. wear black because of the light blue? They might have to wear black, but I don't know. I think huh. because the blue. I, I think that's still considered like a dark. I think it is too. So you would have to go white. That's gonna be hmm. maybe they'll go interesting. Maybe they'll go white on on black color rush pants. <laughs> Psych. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, Ooh. it's not happening. That's not happening, especially for a, like a one o'clock game. Maybe if, was, you maybe, maybe if it was, you ain't wasting on a one. Yeah, o'clock. maybe if it was a, a nighttime prime time game, you pull yeah. out something like that, but. I don't know, Mozi. It'll be interesting to see uh, on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. <laughs> Let us know your your favorite jerseys of yesteryear as we roll along here. We're gonna get to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Best of the West coming up yeah, here. I'm about to say, come on now, get on the together. show in about ten minutes. Uh, two things from around the league, kind of news and notes that I wanted to run past you, get your opinion on Arthur Motes. Uh, the first one, Tua starting in Miami. Yeah, man. Uh, at first, I was kind of surprised, right? Because the Dolphins are three and three. Fitzpatrick has played well. They're firmly. I mean, if the playoffs they're, started this weekend, they'd be in. Yeah, they're, they're one of the wild cards. At, they're the number two in the uh, AFC East right now, behind yep. the Bills. So yeah, yeah. A little surprised with the timing because again, with uh, you know, with them still being firmly in a playoff race and Fitzpatrick having played well. But you made a good point when we walked in here when we were talking about this. How maybe with their bye week coming up this weekend, that this was a predetermined decision. Yeah, that, that's the the biggest thing. I thought once I looked into them having their bye week, looked to what part of the season it was in, because other than that, there is no real reason why you would be switching out Fitzpatrick at this time. You knew you were going – I mean, if you wanted to evaluate Tua, which was the plan anyways this year, at some point – you don't do it when you're sitting here at what you said. What they're they're two and three, they're three and three, three. Excuse me, sitting at three and yeah. three, five hundred, a game behind the Buffalo Bills in terms of leading that division. Yeah. In the first year of an expanded playoff, you don't do that if you didn't already have that idea. And <laughs> Fitzpatrick, let's be real. Already. Fitzpatrick's been playing really well. He has. Um, he he's cut down on his turnovers. He's coming off of a very very hot performance this past Sunday. Where they were, where they won convincingly, and that was the biggest reason why Tua even got the snaps that he was able to take in the game. Um, but when, when we talk about it being predetermined, man, because I've been a part of situations like that where they'll let you know ahead of time, hey, we rolling with you, but come by, we man, we get get ready for the switch, but you're still going to mentor, you're still going to be the guy to 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 you know, you're going to get your opportunity here and there, but this is the guy we're going to be rolling with. Make sure he's ready to go. Being a part of those situations, when it's communicated early, you handle it the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is handling it yeah. because there isn't a surprise. Right. When it does happen like a surprise, well, then you see some of the corresponding moves after that where guys sure. become a little bit more disruptive in sure. the workplace. Sure, But but I thought, man, for the Dolphins, I'm not opposed to it. Um, yeah, you got. I mean, you got to. You, you, you want to find out, and you know he's the future. At some point, it's, right? It's yeah. not as if Fitzpatrick, regardless of how well he played this year, is not like a Kurt Warner situation where he's going to all of a sudden become the franchise quarterback. Right, right. That's just not where he's at at this point in his career. He is what he is. Absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is, man, with him being on board with it as well, it makes it a lot easier of a transition. And for me, I like it because hey, at least you're going to do it after a really good performance by Fitzpatrick, so he isn't receiving negative. Um, flat or negative attention because this or being 
viewed and his morale down right. because of it. Right. So so you're good in that just in case you have to come back to him. Say right. Tua comes you, out here. Yeah, I was going to say, you know right. he's going to stay dialed if in mentally. If Tua's not ready, if Tua gets injured or whatever may happen, at least you know from a morale, from a mentality standpoint, Fitzpatrick is still going to be dialed in. Even if that shouldn't have been a question because we saw him with Josh Rosen last year. Right. Similar situation. Right. And once again, he performed like he always does in those scenarios. But overall, man, I just think, like I said, this is going to be a, a really good scenario. And for the bye week, so now Tua at least is going to have two weeks to prepare for their next opponent. And, I mean, it's not an easy opponent when you're talking about the Rams and Aaron Donald, but that's cool. for, <laughs> that's going to be for another day's cool. debate. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Bye week this week, but then it's Tua time down in Miami. The other thing, Arthur Motes. Man, it looks like the Cowboys are kind of unraveling right before us here. Uh, obviously, the big injury to Dak Prescott, and then some players anonymously saying that the coaching staff was totally unprepared for Sunday night against the Cardinals. Uh, could this get ugly down in Dallas, Motsi? Uh, I mean, the situation, the scenario, when you come in and you have expectations, you have a couple of key injuries, and then it starts to unravel a little bit. And let's be real about it. It was just one game. They found a way to win last week, even with everything going on the way it went. But that's kind of what happens when the expectations sure. aren't lived up to, and then it gets kind of rocky. Sometimes we talk about the difference between winning teams and teams that historically have struggled, or, or at least in the recent future have struggled, and it comes down to stuff like this. Man, when the going gets tough, I don't want you to look around the room and point fingers. We hear Coach Simon talk about this all the time, seeking comfort. That's the definition of seeking comfort. Do I care about you blaming the coach? No, because the coach isn't on the field. Does he need to do a better job of getting you in the right position? Sure. But at the same time. That's not the reason that you lost by 20-some points. And and, and I'll tell you this as well. Being a part of some of these teams where you have had the rubber meets the road conversation, Mm If you feel the coach isn't up to par, I've been a part of rooms and meetings where we say, okay, well, we're going to study ourselves and we're going to put a a plan together and present it to the coaching staff and see what they think about it. And then from there, comparing contrast notes, I've done that. I've been a part of that where it was successful. Sometimes it wasn't received the same way, but it's like you you can't just sit here and and point the finger and think that that's going to change. I mean, if you're that coach staff and you're coming in this meeting room today, Wednesday morning, how do you think that meeting is going to go? How do you think the energy is going to be at practice? Right. A little and, awkward. And, exactly. And then the fact that if I'm the coach and staff, I'm feeling some type of way because, number one, I don't mind, I don't mind you criticizing me. That's fine. But if you're going to do it, be a man about Come it. Come say it to my face. You don't have to say it to my face, but put your name on it in the, in the report. Don't don't anonymous leak it. I mean, what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's another issue that I would really have in that regard. But – when you put that stuff out there as a team, just know which, what's going to come from that, whether it's the coach turning it up and, and making it a, a lot more difficult workplace for it to be from a practice and meeting standpoint. I've been a part of that as mm-hmm. well. It's not fun. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But those are some of the things that you're going to open yourself up to now if you're doused by taking that approach of leaking stuff to the media yeah. after one game. Yeah. I mean, you literally lost your franchise quarterback. <laughs> And then your star running back has a bad game the first game after that. And now they're ready to blow the whole thing up down there. I mean, let's like really think about the situation. They're still first place in the division. Exactly. But when you're a part of teams where they don't believe that they can really do it or they don't have the success, they haven't had the guys on that roster haven't had success right. like that. Right. It's very easy to point the finger. It's mm-hmm. very easy to start looking around for somebody else to save you. And if you don't have the leadership up top mm-hmm. to say, no, we're not going to operate like this. 
then this is the scenario you get. Now it looks like, man, it's a dumpster fire over there when realistically you could take the approach that Cleveland is taking. You're not hearing Cleveland go crazy talking about the coach wasn't prepared and this and that. No, they're saying, hey, look, man. They're taking their lumps. They're they're saying, man, look, we we sit in with four and two, and our two losses have been to the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. We're banged up coming into the game. Don't worry about it. Bounce back, get a win this weekend. You win this weekend, nobody even talks about it anymore. Yeah. Dallas should be taking the same approach. It's amazing that we're using Cleveland as a positive example. Absolutely, <laughs> but but that's the difference, and you can see it, man. You, yeah. you can just see the difference in terms of how they run the expectations, and ultimately how they handle it from a media standpoint. This is that's not a good scenario to do that because no, you're just making the all. workplace more toxic. You, I mean, and you don't know who it came from, so you have to assume that it's all the players feeling like that until somebody addresses it. That's just the way you have to operate. So you're going to have that lack of trust between coach and player until that gets rectified. I mean, now their next game, let it be a third down call. The coach going to make the call. The player's going to be questioning the call. <laughs> and then if the if it isn't executed right, well, now the coach is questioning, do I got the right players? I mean, it's just it, – it, it's a mess when you handle things like that. And like I said, being on both sides of it now, yeah, <laughs> it sure. sucks when you're going through that, man. I can only imagine. that. That's got to be awkward. That's got to be difficult. We got some tweets here, Motsi, about the, the jersey conversation we had to uh-oh, open this uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, Antonio says the powder blue chargers hit just a different way. No that, doubt that. about that. See, I felt like we didn't even have to mention that. Right, that's just because that's I feel like that's, that's like exalted. Top notch. Yeah, that's, that's exalted. That, that's in Jersey uh, Jersey Hall of Fame right there, he man. Also added uh, Raptors jerseys from the Vince Carter oh, days. Oh gosh, a yes, yes. The old like the like absolutely. almost with, like with, the Jurassic Park yeah, looking Raptor. Absolutely, man. Oh, those are sweet. I wonder why did they didn't they switch it because of the movie though. Maybe. I thought they switched out yeah. of it because of the movie. They yeah. might have. You know how the, they're weird with all that rebranding yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, and that was the whole thing. I definitely, yeah. But uh, that was tough. Oh, man. Oh, those are great. Oh, those are those I are love, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And that's, then that's Randy tight. says favorite throwbacks, uh, Vancouver Grizzlies and Charlotte Hornets oh. in the 90s. And shout out to Vancouver, not mm. not Memphis too, man. That's right. For, for the, the young boy, it was Vancouver, Grizzlies. man. Sharif Abdul-Rahim. No. Back in the day when Canada <laughs> when Canada had two NBA teams. Right. Back, back when we used to play NBA jams, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Randy says the worst, uh, the Eagles in those yellow and blue powder. <laughs> those, <laughs> the Eagles in those yellow and blue powder Power Rangers unis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the Packers throwbacks too, with just the yellow dot on them. Yeah, I don't like those. Goofy. And, and I feel like the Lions, like they ran out of money in their throwbacks. Like, yes, yeah, just yes. like oh man, it's like Pop Warner right here. <laughs> cool, nice. <laughs> Uh, jump in on the conversation on Twitter at Wes Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. We will answer your tweets, your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions before we get out of here. But on the other side, we got to do a little best of the West Wednesday. We'll finish our around the league discussion for the day. Our top ten teams in the National Football League. We'll list them for you on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You're inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Titans, the Steelers, Danger Zone on Sunday. 
in Nashville. We're going to get to the best of the West here in just a moment, but we got a couple tweets, some thoughts from our Jersey conversation that we just stumbled upon there in the last segment. Uh, Jared tweets, the old Kevin Garnett T-Wolves unis were the tightest of the 90s. Those were good. I remember when they the broke black out the with black the green. Ones. That's back oh. with uh, Spreewell when he was choking the coach. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, Jared also says, I can't wait to find out what oh. Moats thinks a Titan sounds like on Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to have to figure that out. Yeah, I'm about to figure that one out. <laughs> but I was gonna say the old school Warriors logo too, not yeah. not Baron Davis one, the C Web one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. good. Now you know I pride myself on being able to pronounce names, Motsi. That's a great name. Our buddy Olu, who I believe is Nigerian, he says the AC Milan Opal throwback, and he is speaking my language, baby. Those AC Milan kits from the day. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. Those okay. are smooth. Okay. Okay. I would really like to pronounce his full name, but I don't want to butcher it. I'm just going to go with Olu. Well just go for it. You want to. Give it a shot. You owe it to yourself. Do it. Oh. Don't think. Olu Wada Malair. Aladisami. That's all right. Olu, give me a give me a rating on how I did on your name pronunciation there. I hope I didn't completely butcher it. All right, I'm pro- I don't like to shy away from from. T- Listen, I grew up with a very butcherable last name. All right, I got Uller, I got Weiler, I got Huller everywhere that I went. All right, nobody could pronounce my name either. Is the U silent? Yeah. <laughs> no, the yeah. H is the H is silent. Oh, it's the H is silent. Oh. We got a couple more tweets here. We will get to those in the next segment before we get out of here, as we always do. But Arthur Motes. It's time for a little Best of the West Wednesday here. Oh, yeah. Real simple concept, right? It's just our power rankings. Everybody does them, usually this time of week, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday. Everybody does power rankings. So we dress it up a little bit. We give it a fancy name. It's called Best of the West Wednesday. And most people count down from 10 to 1. We start at the top of the list. And I go first because I don't let Arthur Motes give me the runaround, all right? I don't, wow. let, him, I don't, let, him, I don't let him wind me up That's here anymore. Crazy. You fool me once. Shame on you. You and, fool me and twice. Here I was ready to go, too, man. I really wanted to go first today. So you're going to go first? If I was allowed to. All right. So number one on my list is still the Kansas City Chiefs. See, that's what I'm saying, man. You never let me go first, man. This, this is what oh, type see? of partnership is this here, man? He trying, he trying to play the victim. No, seriously, what type of partnership is this, man? He trying to play the victim over there. I, I feel like we, we, you just talk down on me all day. I just come over here. I sit in the little chair. I got oh, the yeah. little microphone. You're just a regular Jose Altuve. I, I don't. Even, I don't even get a light M on my side of the studio. Like I'm just in here, man. I just feel so so second rate. This is crazy, man. Am I on the practice squad of radio? Is that where? That's the portion of the seat that I'm sitting in, and you're the varsity active guys. That's what this is right here, man. Fool me once, <laughs> shame on you. I'm just saying, man. Fool it, me twice. It's all good, man. It's all good. I, I see what's really going on in here. Arthur Motes is like Tennessee Titans. He Taking my towns to South Beach. Found a way to make himself the victim there real I am, quick. I am the victim here. <laughs> All right. Number one on my list, the Kansas City Chiefs still and still. I mean, look, they just have a lot of ways to beat. They ran the ball 46 times against the Bills. Chill out. We don't got to talk about that. 46 times. Just, I mean, who would have thought they, that the they, Chiefs they, would run the ball 46 times? Yeah, just they ran it 46 times. You don't have to say verse who. Just, that's what they They're did. number one on my list. They just Andy Reid finding ways to continue to innovate, to continue to look different week to week. I got the Chiefs one. I still got the Ravens two. I know some people in black and gold land aren't going to like me this. All right, now wait till you see who I have number three before you crush me. But I just still, the Baltimore Ravens, if they're not playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know they had a, a tight one against the Eagles on the road. Oh, the Steelers beat the Eagles by nine. The Ravens only beat them by two. All right, this is not 
uh, A plus B always equals C, right? That correlation is not there in professional sports. That's not how it works. Just because one team beat a team by more points than the other, uh, it's week to week. It's matchup to matchup. I've still got the Ravens two, but I have the Steelers three. I do. Um, now, depending on how this week plays out, <laughs> uh, now that could change. <laughs> depending on how this week plays out, that could change. But I've had the Chiefs and the Ravens towards the top of my pecking order all season. I'm not going to change that. Steelers, number three for me. Number four is the Titans. Ooh, little top five matchup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sunday at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Again, this Titans team's hard to peg down because they're 5-0. and They're scoring points on offense. They're weird. But their defense is, is hemorrhaging a lot yes. of yards, a lot of points. Um, I do think their defense will figure it out before their offense maybe comes back down to earth. I think the Titans are a good team. And I think it's a real litmus test for both of those teams on Sunday. Give me the Titans at four. And then at number five, the other 5-0 and team, the Seahawks. Uh, difference to me is they're just, they're just still a little banged up on defense. They get Jamal Adams back. That'll make a big difference. And I think they should after the bye week here. But they're talented. DK Metcalf looks better and better. We all know what Russell Wilson is. Ain't that the truth. Uh, just <laughs> phenomenal. Chris Carson, very capable running back. I got the Seahawks at five. At number six, I think making their highest appearance of the season, I got those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Starting to come together for him. The defense okay. is looking really good on Monday, right? I, I sang the praises of uh, of Devin White and, and Levante David, uh, the new Bash brothers, I called them. Uh, man, they've got a lot of different ways to attack you on that defense, a lot of different weapons on offense. I got the Bucks at six. At number seven, I got the Packers. Uh, lowest I've had them in a while. And, you know, Motsi, sometimes when it comes falling down, it all comes falling down at once. You know and what I mean? I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hadn't thrown an interception since like Vietnam, and, and then he, he throws them on back-to-back he plays. Went sometimes, you know, Mozi. Sometimes you just have those days. You know, it's the whole just any given Sunday. You know, any given Sunday, you can fall apart. You can have a really bad game. I still think the Packers you, are very good. Usually, Pacino tells me about that. You know, usually he tells me about any given Sundays and how this could be the one that you lose and all that other nonsense. Man, you wild. That's what he tells me usually. Packers at seven. Uh, number eight, Buffalo Bills. I This is, to me, a team that I still think is very good. They are hard to judge at this point, right? Uh, they lost to Tennessee and Kansas City. They did beat the Rams, though, who I think are a very good football team. Um, this is where I would kind of draw my line, I think, after the Bills. Uh, I think those first eight teams that I mentioned right now, I would say they are all Super Bowl contenders. Um, and it builds another one like the Packers. They're going to bounce around. They'll they'll move up higher if they win a couple games here in a row. Still, I think, a very capable team. I've got the Bills at eight. And then, again, that's kind of where I draw my line from the teams that I think, at least as it stands right now, true contenders. i got the Rams at nine, though. A good football team, well-coached under Sean McVay. That defense is coming together. Jared Goff, we know he has his limitations, but he is capable, certainly. I've got the Rams at nine. And then at number ten, uh, i got the Bears. I mean... Five and one? I have literally a question mark next to the Bears on my I mean, list here. Te- technically, they are five and one. But I, like, I, 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 I got to put them at least at number 10, I think. We could talk about other five and one. I mean, and okay, they they've, had, five and they've one, had some though. crazy comebacks and they this and that. You know what? When you're five and one in the National Football League, you're five and one. Uh, five and one is five and one. You got to put some respect on, on the Chicago Bears name. I've got them at number 10. Then my honorable mentions uh, Saints, Patriots, Arizona Cardinals. So, again, just quickly from the top Chiefs, one, Ravens, Steelers, Titans, Seahawks. That's my top five. Bucks at six, Packers, Bills, Rams, Bears. That's the top 10. Honorable mentions also receiving votes Saints, Patriots, Cardinals. Arthur Motes, what say you? I like that list, man. In fact, 
hearing it, I, I think once again we're going to have very, very similar. We agreeing too much again. Here. Yeah. All right, but this is where we differ. At number one, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. They're undefeated. I think the difference between them, the Chiefs, and the Ravens is I've seen the Chiefs get beat by the Raiders, and I've seen the Ravens get handled by the Chiefs. I have not seen the Steelers get handled or beat by anyone, and they just beat a 4-1 and one team handedly, convincingly. I haven't sold the the the, the house on the Browns. I still think that they're going to be a decent team as they continue to stay healthy and go forward. The Steelers are just, I think, that good right now. So that's why I have them at number one. At number two, I got the Chiefs, man. I think the Chiefs are, are still playing really well. They handle the Buffalo Bills. They on uh, was that Monday night or was mm-hmm. it Tuesday? I can't remember which day it was anymore. <laughs> the first part of the one, one of them on days Monday. that they played on. <laughs> but yeah, man, I thought the Chiefs handled them extremely well. Showed another dynamic in terms of being able to commit to the run game, and then you couple that with them signing Le'Veon Bell as well. Yeah, I got them at number two for for the time being. At number three, I got the Baltimore Ravens here. Like I said, outside of the Chiefs game, man, they've been doing what they do. Kicking butt. Even the game against the Eagles, man, they still were up convincingly, and then the Eagles kind of squirmed their way back into it, but they still were able to have a big-time defensive stop, or the Eagles just had a little amount of practice, but that's for you to decide. <laughs> but either way, they got the job done, so that's why they're at three. And then at number four, man, once I'm with you on this, the Tennessee Titans. It's hard to keep an undefeated team out of the top five, man, and in particular the way they've been going about winning these games too. We've seen them win big against the Buffalo Bills. We saw them going to overtime against the uh, the Texans, a little bit more self-inflicted wounds. This is still a good football team, though, man. Offensively, they can do a lot to to really put some stress on you. We know what Derrick Henry is and, and the challenge that that's going to be. Yeah. I just think with them, man, they they still, like I said, have to clean up their defense, but they're still a really good team, and they're undefeated for a reason. Then at number five, they want to buy this past week, man, but the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf have been doing something special this season. It's the reason why Russ is one of the front runners for MVP mm-hmm. of the NFL. With him and Metcalf have been able to do this season, man, it's, it's at times it's flat out crazy. You just don't think that they should be able to, to make some of the throws they make, some of the catches that they're making, and, and against some of the competition they've played against, yeah. man. But they're getting the job done somehow, some way, and that's where they're sitting there undefeated right now. So I have them at number five. Then at number six, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're starting to heat up, man. We're starting to see, you know, good performance after good performance a little bit with them, man. I thought uh, Brady looked really, uh, really good at times. It was really good to see Gronk, like I said, come back out there and shows just signs of 2016-15 time frame. We saw that. And then defensively, we know. We talked about this uh, with with Devin White and Levante David. Man, they got guys over there. And then that front, man, in terms of Jason Pierre-Paul. What jazz class are you from? Oh, that 22 draft (laughs) class. Okay, okay. So you got Jason Pierre-Paul, who we know is a stud. And you coupling him with Shaq Barrett, who led the league in sacks last year, and and Dominican Sue. And now they get our boy Big Steve McClendon, man, got traded down there from the the New York Jets earlier this week. So, man, I just think that they they have a really complete team, man. So that's where they're at six at seven. The Green Bay Packers, they had to take a bigger drop, man, just because of how bad they got beat and the way it looked um, from an optic standpoint as well. That, 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 but they'll bounce back. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not selling them. And either, remember, man. this is this is a week to week thing. Absolutely, You're supposed man. to move teams up and down as they win and lose. Absolutely. And trust me, man. The Packers, man, they took it on the chin. They'll learn from it and they'll get to yeah. moving. You you don't hear them though questioning the leadership. No. Questioning the coaching staff. No. And they got whooped. Don't don't. We're not going to get into it. They got whooped in the game of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> they got whooped and 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 everyone was playing bad. Quarterback played bad. Defense played bad. Like they they stunk it up. It happens. 
they moving on though, because mm-hmm. that's the difference when you got winners yeah. versus you got pretenders. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's yeah. the difference right there. So at number eight, man, I got the Buffalo Bills. I had to knock them again, man. Obviously, the two teams they lost to, similar to the uh, Browns in scenarios of, man, you lose to the Chiefs, who were the Super Bowl champions, and you lost to the Titans. Chiefs game, you had a little bit more of a chance. Obviously, they dealing with a lot of injuries and, and a lot of other circumstances. Titans game was more self inflicted with the turnovers, but I'm not gonna crucify them for those being their two losses now we're gonna see what it looks like this next game coming up against the Jets how do they handle that team do they win convincingly and things like that but yeah you lose two teams your two losses are against two of the top teams in AFC I'm not holding that against you yep then at number nine man I got the Arizona Cardinals man they're playing really well right now we saw Buda Baker have his coming out party from an NFL national standpoint a lot of us have already been talking about him just from his you know Short career thus far, man, what he's sure. been able to do is the reason why he's, he's the highest he's paid. He's a Mike Tomlin favorite. <laughs> right. It's the reason why he's the highest paid safety right now in the game as well, man. He, he He's a very, very productive player. Um, they're doing, like I said, a great job of using him to his strengths out there in Arizona. And then at number 10, the first time making my list. Ooh. The Chicago Hey, golly, man, you hate to see Stop it. Bears. They finding a way to get it done, Stop though, once Bears. again, man. Nick Foles is Nick Foles, man. <sighs> yeah, they're finding ways to do it, though, man. Are, man. It, five and one is pretty, five and one. But it's five and one. Yep. I said, man, we can only disrespect them so <laughs> long, That's man. Right. You, you, at the end of the day, you got to say five and oh is five, or excuse me, five and one is yep. five and one. You yep. don't just get that. No, haphazardly, you don't fl- man. You don't fluke into five and one. No question, yeah. man. So that's why I have them at 10, and then my next three receiving votes. The L.A. Rams, mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints, mm-hmm. and New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to throw them in there, baby. Yeah, they're two and four, but I still think they'll. Man, it's first game back around. with Cam. Man, they yeah. they didn't have Cam last week, and then first game back with Cam this week. I said, yeah, it was, it's to be expected. They'll be fine. There it is. Best of the West on this Wednesday. That only means one thing. We wrap with your reaction on the other side. We got a couple tweets rolling in here. Keep them coming. At Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Or forever hold your peace for the next 22 hours. We'll get to the tweets on the other side as we wrap up the show. He is Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrap up the show with your reaction as we always do on the Twitter.com here. Let's get to it. You know, Motsi, some of our uh, our power grid, our megawatts here. I mean, uh-oh, they're, uh-oh, they're uh-oh. taking you to task a little bit. Uh-oh. You know, about going first or going second. Uh, thrash, thrash, thrash says here, Motsi is really good about pretending to be upset about going second. <laughs> when we all know on Fridays, Motsi loves to pull that ring around the rosy style banter when it comes to letting Wes do the predictions first. <laughs> Come on, man. Y'all know I want to go first, man. I have a great passion for going first when it comes to these type of conversations, when it comes to lists and reveals. 
my problem here is I'm not welcomed here. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not even introduced first. It's always you, Lauren Most. In well, fact, that's, that's I can't wait one. till Friday. I can't wait till Friday, man. That's what the lit one Rebecca <laughs> says. She says, "I mean, Mozi, your name does come second in the intro." Uh, oh. That's all I'm saying, man. It's it's such disrespect going on here. This come is my Friday, moment. This is my Friday, moment to feel like a big time. I'm changing everything. Friday is Moats in Euler. We're That's how to, I'm referring I'm to, to it. I'm going to have to get a new bumper for the show yes, on Friday. Just for Fridays. It's Moats in Euler. <laughs> Moats in Euler on a Friday. Jeez. <laughs> I love it. This is my this is my one chance to feel like the big timer here. All right. Uh, Harry says, throwback uniforms for me, easy. 1979, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. Pirates, Pirates throwers are filthy. So they, the Orioles are, are nice, filthy. too. And then he says, any Houston Oilers uniform. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Earl, call the there. Earl, Earl uh, Campbell era, oh, absolutely. With the, uh, with the, the yes. oil, it was like the the oil, oil rig, rig on the yeah. helmet. Oh, great stuff. Yes, great love stuff. that, man. Uh, AYS says... Uh, um, I'm getting annoyed with all this punter carousel talk. Motsi, what do we have to do to bring Marquette King in for a workout? Man, honestly, I, I'm still surprised to this day that Marquette King is available. Me too. For a couple of reasons. Now, I understand the game has shifted in terms of it's not about the strong leg. It's more so the accuracy of your punt. In terms of directional punting, you want the ball to be outside the numbers, uh, at least four-second hang time so you can get the net punt that you want in terms of giving your coverage units time to get down there whereas when you get guys that like market king who are a, li a little bit of the older style where you hmm. just have these monster legs yeah he can punt that thing 70 yards it flips the field the problem is though he's out kicking coverage hmm. and the coverage unit is going to be i mean when he gets the, the returning gets the ball these guys are going to have 20 yards before the nearest defender that's scary for coaches so i think that's part of the reason but Marquette King is so talented. I think if that was an emphasis, if he took that as a point of emphasis, hmm. I definitely think he could accomplish could, that. Yeah, could correct that. Yeah. But at the same time, and it just depends on the coaching staff, man, and how, I mean, the comfort level they have, familiarity. I know they brought uh, Jordan Berry back in for a or they're supposed to meet with yep. Berry sometime yep. this week. Familiarity is definitely there in that regard. So I think that plays into this a lot more sure. than anything else. For sure. Especially in these unprecedented times. Whoa there. Randy wants to know, harder to tackle, Jerome Bettis or Derrick Henry? Jeez. No, both were tough, but I think different styles, yeah, though. Because, I might say Henry just because he's got the speed, too. Yeah. But, oh, Bussies was a little bit bigger. A little bit. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think that's what, makes Bussies, that's what makes Bussies so tough to tackle, though, yeah. because of like how And he can move for his size, big, too, to be yeah. fair. Like, he doesn't I mean, have his, the, his footwork the breakaway was, speed like, but like Henry, footwork, but yeah. Straight uh, in terms of power, I would think this in terms of the if we're meeting in a hole head up, I think the bus is is more tougher to tackle because of his size. And I mean, just trying to wrap him up, he's a load in that regard. But I think the tougher player to play against is Derrick Henry because of that speed element, because of what he could kind of do on the perimeter. And you know, he has that home run threat capability. I think that would be how I would summarize it in the whole. Yeah, I don't want to see best. I, I don't want to see but no. bu I don't want to see the bus at all. Uh -uh. No. But on Hard pass. but but if we're talking four quarters, full game, full fill, Derrick Henry's a nightmare. Don Juan says, give me the Chargers powder blues. Yeah, we had uh somebody else. Jer uh was it no, I forget who it was. Uh Randy was the one who pointed that out, I think. Or maybe it was Antonio on the Twitter.com. But yeah, a lot of love for the uh for the Chargers powder blues, without a doubt. 
Uh, it's like such an iconic it uniform. Is. It is. Steel City Reese with the early predictions. Early. Robert Spillane will ball out. Chase and Juju will dust the Titans' defense. T.J. Watt dominates his side. Bud forces a fumble. And Minka Fitzpatrick with two interceptions. Woo! Mm, say no. I'll tell you what. If, if all those things are right, the Steelers are going to win. I mean, without a doubt. We'll be, we'll be playing Mason in the second quarter if all that happens. Jeez, that sounds like yeah. a blowout going Mason on. Mason will be getting in for the second straight week. Right. Uh, Josh uh, says, calmed, concerned, worried, panicked with Devin Bush out. We kind of talked about that a little bit uh, on Monday on the program. I think I'd be between concerned and worried. I'm, I'm concerned right now. Yeah. Um, the only reason I won't say worried is because I'm going to – They've got time to, well, well, to this, figure it out. For me, the biggest thing is this, man. I'm concerned because we know how much talent Devin Bush and the talent and productivity that Devin Bush has is going to be a drop off with Spillane, understandably so. But the reason why I'm concerned and not worried is because I'm believing in Spillane and his work ethic. I'm being a guy who was in similar situations where you come in for a guy that gets injured and there are question marks surrounding you. I, I never like that feeling of being ro- uh, written off before yeah. I even got an opportunity. Let me prove it. And sometimes it works out. And, I mean, for me, that was a bigger reason why I was able to to continue on and play as long as I did was because of being able to fill in for guys who got injured. Right. I mean, you think about even when I came here, now Jarvis Jones, to the extent, wasn't as productive as Devin Bush, but at the time he was, what, a year, I think a year removed from being a first-round draft first round pick. pick yeah. So, yeah, you. I mean, if that injury never happens, I never get the opportunity I get, and I never be able to, to finish my four years sure. here. They could have easily wrote me off and said, well, look, we're going to go make a trade for this guy. We're going to bring this guy in. Even when they brought in James Harrison, because at the time we only had two linebackers on the roster, right, right. it still wasn't we're bringing him in and he's starting over you this next game. It was like, nah, man, we're going to make sure that you got enough time to prove yourself. And it worked out. So for me, when I look at Spillane, I think exactly like yeah. that. Like, man, you never know. Let this kid get an opportunity, man, because it could be something really beneficial. And and you've got time, like we said, too. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out with Spillane, you've still got time. G- to- give me this scenario in October yeah. versus, versus December, December like any day of the with week. Ryan Shazier. No question, yeah, 100%. Uh, Josh also adds, I've listened to the Pittsburgh Symphony's virtual experience twice so far. Phenomenal concert. Thanks for the heads up and to the PSO for that gift during this time. So yeah, shout out to the Pops. No you know, Josh must have been Josh must have been listening on Monday whenever I interviewed my dad on he's ESPN hip, he's Pittsburgh. Hip, he's hip. So thank you for checking that out, Josh. I appreciate your support uh, of my pops as well during these times and while the symphony's trying to still bring the music to the people. Uh, Josh wants to know finally what's your boy's favorite Nintendo sixty four game. I go Goldeneye. Gotta be Goldeneye. Yeah, it's Smash Brothers at number two. Smash. Uh, Tony Hawk would be up at the top. The OG See, Tony for me, Hawk Tony at Hawk the top of my I list. I always put Tony Hawk on PlayStation. Okay. Tony Hawk is my PlayStation, bro. Mm, like the OG regular gray PlayStation. Like that would, yeah. I'm a classic uh Mario sixty four guy too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it has sink. to be that on was 64, yeah. That was one of the first yes. 64 games that you could really, like, sink hours Correct. into and play uh-huh. the story mode and, and this and that. All right, some quick ones here real quick. We got to get out. I got to get upstairs and get to the second show. Uh, AYS says, I'd really like to see the bussy and moats and backs on backers. Whew. Well, that make one of us. <laughs> Because I don't think Arthur Motes. Well, two of us. Me well, and no, you, no, 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 see, 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 but it, it, no, no, no. See, this is the thing. Backs on backers. Oh, I'm without a thousand percent. Well, that's true. That's just me rushing. That's the just passing. you rushing. Listen, the I, 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 I don't care who you putting back there. If I'm getting blocked in backs on backers. Yeah, it, it's a He's big issue. He's not running at you full right, speed. Right, right. You're running at him full yeah, speed. Yeah, I, I said, man. It, listen, throughout my my time in Pittsburgh doing backs on backers, I could probably count the amount of times I lost a rep. On one hand, throughout my four years doing backs on back, like it's just, yeah, that for for a defensive guy, if you're an edge rusher of 
any type of yeah varsity level, you're supposed to dominate that. You're supposed to win that consistently, yeah. man. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about all right, now now go over here and meet him play Oklahoma drill. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't want none that's of that. Nah, different. nah, nah, nah. I don't want none of that. That's way too physical for me, baby. Yeah, DJ Mitchell tweets here. Ask Brian Erlacher how hard the bus exactly. hits in the hole. Exactly. Yeah, so that's the question. I mean, do you yeah. want to get Erlacher or do you want to get Josh Norman? Right, I mean, right, that's, right. <laughs> that's the question there. Uh, last last one here. TC says, anyone bring up the Steelers' throwbacks, 94-95 with the Pittsburgh crest on the chest. Mm. Yeah, those, those ones, lie, man. Those I, ones I, are I like, often I like forgotten. The, uh, the gold helmet. That uh, oh, Debo was I like wearing. Those too. I miss those ones, yeah, man. When Debo I like caught the, like the gold helmet, like two ten, and a half, like, ten like years murders. ago. Yeah, he like yeah. killed some people out there with mm-hmm. the helmet. Like that's the one I like, man. Yeah, good, good, good fashion conversation today on the program. Uh, that'll do it for today. I've got to run upstairs. Arthur Boats has got to get home, and he's probably got a bunch of other stuff to do here too. So we <laughs> will. We will commence tomorrow, folks. Uh, Three Question Thursday, our buddy Brian Backo joins us, and we really deep dive more into Steelers-Titans matchups. So that'll do it for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, high noon, as always. And you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.